It's June. The year is halfway over. Now is the perfect time to hit pause and do a review. A mid-year checkup is a great way to see how you're progressing with your goals and make sure that your accounts are moving in the right direction. Today, we'll go over a system that makes it simple to set up and check up on all your accounts, including investments. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. While we automate much of our finances, especially the tedious parts, it really does pay to have these times where you sit down and review the numbers. And having a financial checkup mid-year is a fantastic opportunity, not just to look at your day-to-day accounts, like your checking and savings, but your investments. Having these more in-depth conversations can be beneficial to both your marriage and finances. For us, this is an opportunity to hit pause and to really sit down and talk. I don't know how this year has gone for you, but it really has flown by for us. And overall, it has been good, but that doesn't mean there hasn't been some struggles and challenges that we face. Second, it gives us a chance to talk about what's been working and what's not working with our family finances. Life comes up, and maybe we had to shift some things for a month or two. This is a pause where we can see, is this a trend that we should start planning for or is this a one-time deal? Knowing that ahead of time can relieve the stress going forward. Finally, it's a great reminder to reflect on the big picture. What are we really working towards and how are we aligned towards that? And yes, it does involve looking at the finances, but also schedule-wise, work choices that we make, time with the girls, All these things are connected to each other. Having a set period where we can reflect on that big picture is a huge help. This past year and a half can be especially challenging for families as we are navigating through this unprecedented time, which is why I'm glad Kevin Matthews is a part of this episode. He's a former financial advisor and a number one best-selling author, and he just had a new book from Burning the Blueprint that's out that you should definitely grab. Today, we're going to be talking about that connection between your family and financial goals and making sure that your investments are moving in the right direction. In this episode, we'll get into why investing matters and how you can come up with a plan that reflects your goals, how to do a financial review for your investments, and making sure that they're aligned with your priorities and goals. Are you ready? Let's get started. I want to talk to you a little bit from burning to blueprint, kind of start off there, because Mm -hmm. you lay out how a family can start getting that financial stability and, and wealth using the SIP system. First off, how important is it for families to include investments with their financial plan? Yeah, I think it's one of the most important parts because when you invest, you are essentially electing to grow your money. While savings accounts are always important, we're never not going to get away from that. That's the the bread and butter. 
But we have to make sure that, that money is growing so that it takes care of us. The way that I like to describe it is when I'm investing, I'm sending my money to work. I have a nine to five, but mm-hmm. my money needs to have a nine to five as well. And it needs to bring home more money. The, the more often that we do that, the longer that we do that, the quicker that we can leave our own jobs and we can create financial freedom for ourselves. Investing is, is just the process of giving your money a job, allowing that money to go to work so that it can take care of you. I definitely agree. I feel like coming from a family where investments weren't talked about, mm-hmm. uh, there's there was like a lot of concern. It came from a a good place, but they were hesitant about it. They thought, you know, is it really safe to invest? They thought maybe real estate, buying a home was more of a financial priority. I do want to talk to you a little bit about that, people's con- misconceptions about investing and some of the money scripts that they pick up that mm-hmm. can show up with their financial decisions, specifically with investing. Have you seen some of these play out with families on deciding I, how to do it? Yeah, I, I have, especially, you know, around the, the tangibility mm-hmm. of the stock market, meaning I would prefer to invest with something that I can feel, I can see that I'm sure it's not going get, to get up and walk away tomorrow. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. My thing is to show that the stock market, while it's not as tangible, it's still tangible. If you invest in mm-hmm. a Target or a Starbucks, that you can walk into a Target and a Starbucks and see that it is a real thing. And that your investment is is very much tied to the success of that company as a whole. It's all about understanding that the tangibility part, but also easing into it. I think especially for families to to understand that you don't have to be an expert on day one is extremely important because that that's where it gets intimidating, that you feel like you have to have a finance degree from from day one and that you have to be you have to know every single thing all at once. And that's not necessarily the case. You can start small. You can start with one company or one fund. I think an index fund is probably the best place to start. Just to just do that first and understand what type of investor you are and just take it step by step. It may take a while. It may take several mm-hmm. weeks. It can take several months. And that's totally okay. Yeah. I know a lot of people are hesitant. And then this past year, maybe you've seen this too, the other extreme where you have people who are eager to make their money work for them. But what they're doing is they want to jump into things because they see this crazy growth with cryptocurrencies or what's mm-hmm. happening with AMC and GameStop, but they're not taking the time to understand either the technology behind it or just the businesses. What would you say to them? My thing is, and I've, I've said this all the time, is don't let your emotions do not do math. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the key thing. Most people take that to mean that you're falling in love with a company or a stock and it doesn't do well, but you're just hanging on to it. But it also means that people who move anxiously and feel a rush that I need to get into this, I can't miss it, I can't miss it, I gotta get into this now. I don't know what it is, but I have to get into this right now. It's also an emotion that doesn't always fare well for most investors. So anytime that you're making a financial decision, you wanna make sure that you're doing it out of understanding Mm -hmm. and that you're doing it out of your own will and not because of an emotional push or just because you're, you're chasing something that you think or feel that everyone else has. And I think that's that's the key thing. We see all the time that there are there are some times where these, what we call meme stocks, mm-hmm. like AMC and, and GameStop, a lot of times they have popped, they have done extremely well, and then shortly after they don't do so well. We talk about those all the time, right? That this mm-hmm. has been a recurring theme all of 2021. But we don't talk about how Kodak did something very similar, and then Kodak very quickly lost more than 70% of his value within a week. You know, that's a risk Mm -hmm. that I don't think most people are willing to take. We also have to pause and say, 
you know, there are some people who, who have that risk tolerance where they want to make, you know, hundreds of percent, you know, hundred percent a day and all that kind of stuff. But there are regular companies out there that have built wealth for generations and generations. And those are okay too. You don't have to mm-hmm. get everything overnight. I think that's the, the key thing, especially for beginners. Yeah. Consistency will trump that anxious feeling where you cycle. I've seen people put money in, their money goes down, especially with cryptocurrency. I think Mm -hmm. even in the personal finance space, it was done as an experiment. So it wasn't a lot of money and Bitcoin dropped. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, a normal person would typically just take it out. It's like, okay, I've lost money. And that cycle just really makes it worse. I just want to fast forward for maybe a couple that they have been investing and they've put money into the 401k. How would they go with this process of reviewing their investments, making sure that it's on track? For example, like how do you and Jess review your investments? You do it like twice a year, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we do it at the end of June and at the end of December and that's it. And what we, I think for for everyone, the, the key is know what your goal is and know what the the standard of the bar is going into it. I think that's the key thing. So for example, we do what's called the rule of 110. So you take 110 minus 30, that gives me 80, right? So Mm -hmm. 80% of my 401k of of all my investments should be in stocks and 20% should be in bonds. It's just a rule of thumb. So throughout the year, depending on how the market has performed, depending on how I've, I've invested, that number could be out of whack. Maybe it's it's 90-10 now because the stock market was great, or maybe it's you know 70-30 because things didn't go the way we expected. What we try and do is say, this is what the bar is, this is what we intended to, to go into the year with, this is where we should be. And then we go back and, and measure to see how close we are to that number. If we're a little off by, let's say, more than 5% or so, then we make sure we come back in balance. So maybe we're adding more money to one, to bonds and stocks and so forth to make sure we're, we're properly allocated and properly balanced. And we mm-hmm. come back and check back in on it at the end of the year. Yeah. I think sometimes people think it has to be very complicated or they see on television, like they have to have a ton of spreadsheets. And yeah, spreadsheets are a part of it. But nowadays there's a lot of apps and tools that yeah. make it easy to grab the numbers. Yes. And that's the thing too. So for example, especially if, you, if you're talking about your 401k or even a regular brokerage account, usually when you log in, it gives you a, a pie chart that shows mm-hmm. you. Now, the words are a bit different. They'll say domestic stock or fixed income or something like that. Usually that, that number is readily available and it'll tell you flat out, you know, you have X percent here and X percent there. And it makes it a lot easier nowadays than what it used to be. Yeah, I do like that there are more tools. Uh, sometimes though, I think it, Certain apps make it easy to invest, but they don't do the education side as well. Mm-hmm. And some people get burned by that. Yeah. But I love how you do that. You have a plan and then you measure it up against it. It's not that complicated. You guys already talked about this before. And how often do you and Jess kind of go over the the big, big picture, like your plans for 10 years or 20 years down the road? How often do you guys kind of review that and adjust? Yeah. So we have a living document for our five, 10, 15, and 20 years. And that's the one we we generally review once a year. And the way that we break it down is, let's say for the five-year goal, we put up what the goal is. It has actually the most detail. And the further out it goes, the less detail it has, because there's only so much you can plan to a detail, right? We work backwards and break those down or try to break those down into monthly goals. 
And then on the first of the month, we just quickly review and say, okay, have we started this part of it? Have we started that part of it? And, and kind of move on. For example, I think back in 2015 or so, I was looking at grad school and we said, okay, by you know 2020, we want to make sure that we, we graduate on or about this date. And we started to, to work backwards and say, well, now we need to buy the study book. Now we need to consider scholarships. Now we need to consider what schools we want to apply to and broke that down year by year. We ended up graduating in 2020. We did not expect the pandemic there, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you have to you have to kind of figure your way around those things. But it's we review those once a year and at the top of the year, every year, we prioritize and say what's the most important and then break those out by month um, and sometimes by quarter. Yeah, I love that. And you're right. No one planned for the pandemic and and everything that happened and afterwards. But it does bring up a good point. If you could say a silver lining or a plus about it is that it's given us more time at home with the kids or yeah. reflecting, you know, what kind of legacy or what kind of lessons we want to pass on to our kids. You're known for taking a long-term approach when it comes with finances. Specifically, I saw your article about building generational wealth. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get your take on both sides of the coin. One, the lessons your parents passed on to you, and then what key lessons you want to pass on to your two kids. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, there are a few lessons that I learned. I think the first one is that investing is should be prioritized and is important. So my, my parents did not actually invest in the stock market when I was growing up. It was less accessible. A lot of people who who look like us just didn't really know that it existed. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't like a a Robin Hood or a a Fidelity app back in the day. But what my my parents did do, especially my dad, is he he was a someone who rented property. He was a firefighter and Mm -hmm. he would go to a firefighter's auction and buy cars for thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, and then fix them up and then sell them for a lot more. That was my first introduction to like what investment was, what investing was rather and how it could work for you outside of just having your regular nine to five. And I think that's where I got that that business acumen from and where I got the the idea that there there might be an even better way for me to do this without like, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about title transfer and all that kind of stuff that you have to worry about with buying a house or a car. Um, so that's the first one. The next one is is being flexible and resilient financially. Because everything, like you said, is is not going to come out the way you expect it to. A lot of hurdles that we all run into, especially as parents, that you want to do X thing and then this thing happens and you have to adjust everything all over. I was so grateful that my parents were always transparent financially and say, look, you know, we can't afford this. We're going to have to wait until tax time, right? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, this bill was was really expensive. We're going to have to reschedule this trip or something like that. While it wasn't always a fun conversation per se, it was transparent. Is that communication is what I brought into my marriage and what I hope to bring to my kids too, that we can talk about the the positive things that we're trying to do and, and negative if that should occur and let them know that it's not something I need to be ashamed about. It's not something I should hide and not talk to talk about to the people who are most important to me. Yeah. I love how not only are you having these conversations with your kids, but you and your wife have started investing on their behalf. Mm -hmm. So when they are 18, they're starting on a a strong foot, financially speaking, so they have choices and opportunities. What made you and and just decide to do that? Because I know a lot of parents have the idea they want to do this, but we get pulled in so many different ways. So how did you guys make this a priority? Uh, What discussions did you have? Yeah, it was more of a reflection on my end that, that kind of spurred it. So 
my origin story, if you will, into the financial space was that in 2010, I flew to New York and did an internship on Wall Street. And it was, I was utterly floored. Like I didn't understand the market. I was confused, flustered. I, everything that, that could go wrong did go wrong in terms of like what an intern is supposed to do. Cause I, I had no prior training <laughs> about the stock market at all. But it was like second to last day. And I realized that we did what's called back testing. So essentially, what if you invested $1,000? in Apple in 1989 or something like that. And then it would spit out a number and say, you could have been rich. And I essentially found out that had my parents invested $1,000 a year, which is just $82 mm-hmm. a month in Apple from the time I was born to 2010, I could have had like $800,000. <sighs> yeah. And that was the moment I was like, oh my God, everybody should, should know about this. And whenever I had kids, and this was, you know, 10 years before I even had kids, uh, I was like, I want to make sure that my kids never have to wonder, like, what if dad or mom invested in X, Y, and Z? So that was it. When we found out we were having kids, first thing I did was open a savings account. Clearly, we his name wasn't on it at the, that point in time. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure, like, look, the first thing I do when we leave this hospital is we're opening an account and we, we've got to start this now. Like, even if it's a little bit of money. He'll have way more than I would have ever imagined. What happened um, in reality was I went downstairs while my my wife was in labor and I didn't know she was going to have the baby within 10 minutes. <laughs> but Because <laughs> I was like, look, it's going to be like several hours. I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go down to the lobby. I'm going to record this video real quick. I came, I you know, recorded the video, I don't know, two or three minutes long about the things I was going to do to ensure that just my son at that point in time, because the daughter wasn't born yet, about what we're going to do to build generational wealth get back on the elevator, get back up there. And like, they're like, oh, the baby's coming now. And 10 minutes later. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, I never made that mistake again, but I almost missed it. So yeah, that was the thing. I, I wanted to make sure my kids never had to wonder what if and have more options. So both of my kids now have, at this point, have more money than I had at 18, which, you know, I, I had a a part-time job. I was working left and right. I'd been working at a gas station since I was 16. And because of investing, they've already leapfrogged me at where they are age-wise to where I was when I was 18. Yeah. And your kids are small. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they're at this point at nine months and, and three years old. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but that that's something parents would love to be able to do. I'm glad that you pointed out it doesn't take a huge investment. Kevin, exactly. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this. And congratulations on the book. I mean, best-selling. It is a fantastic read. More importantly, definitely one of those that makes you think and come up with a plan for your family, your legacy, but also the community. As Kevin showed, doing these financial checkups where you're reviewing your investments, all your accounts, doesn't have to be complicated. The first step is really not about the numbers, but what your goals are. As I mentioned in my book, Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money, this is a crucial step that too many times gets skipped over or given the should treatment. What do I mean by that? It's when I ask a couple, what goals are you pursuing right now? And they'll tell me the answers they think they should be saying, such as we're thinking of buying a house we'd like to save for retirement. If they have kids, they may tell me that they're setting aside money for college. The goals aren't bad or good, but it really makes me think, are they creating goals that reflect 
their values and their priorities. Another thing with these vague generic goals is it doesn't really give you a sense of how much you need to achieve that goal. For example, let's take a big goal that a lot of couples say that they have, which is save enough for retirement. Sounds simple enough, but what does retirement look like to you? What kind of lifestyle are you guys looking forward to? For some couples, it involves a lot of travel, while others want to stay put, downsize into a smaller place, and be close to family. With those two goals, you can have a significant difference of how much you need to retire. Therefore, your financial plan is going to look different from each other. Or how about the financial independence space? You have some of those who are looking forward to retiring early. They are sick and tired of their job and they don't want to work again. Then you have families who are in the slow fi space where, yes, they are looking to become financially independent, but they're also looking to enjoy the journey. They're adjusting things with work so they don't feel like they have to escape. Instead, they're looking for meaningful work, whether that is a paid job at the office, entrepreneurship, volunteering. They're designing a lifestyle in the present leading up to that point of financial independence that they do enjoy. Again, that financial plan that you have will reflect those goals, will have different milestones and different choices that you make leading up to that. So if you haven't already, please don't skip out on this step. Sit down, make sure that you have a long-term plan. You don't have to set it in stone because life happens and things change and adjust and that's the beauty of it, but have something that you're excited about that you want to work towards. As I mentioned in the book, what's been helpful for a lot of couples, it was helpful for us is having this mentality of planning for an epic trip. One of the first decisions you make is you pick the destination. When you have that in place, you can then figure out the best way to get there. You look around and explore what are some of the best places to stay, whether that's a hotel, Airbnb, bed and breakfast, whatever you prefer. You don't have to have every detail planned out. I know there's some people like that, but you do need to have that spot picked out. Yes, there's planning and logistics involved, but it doesn't feel like work because you're excited about this trip. I want you to approach your finances the same way. I want you to get excited about this. What would the two of you like to be doing this year, five years down the road, 10 years and beyond? Once you define your goals and the ones that you're particularly excited about, it's so much easier to work backwards and come up with a financial game plan. So you know what you're working towards or where you're going. Now we're going to look at the numbers. Where are you currently? This is where you're going to be pulling in all your accounts. And if you've already done this with your monthly money dates and you have your accounts in one spot, this is such an easy step. If this is the first time for you to do a review, no worries. There are many different options that you can use to pull in all your accounts. Besides using spreadsheets, there are so many apps out there right now that can automatically grab that information for you and give you a visual dashboard so that you can see how you're doing with all your accounts. I did an entire episode on that so you can find the right tool that's best for your money style and your situation. The reason it's important to have all of this information in one spot is if you've been married for any amount of time, 
you're going to be accumulating accounts. When we were first married, it was our joint accounts and our individual bank accounts we had before. Then with work, you have your 401k. Many couples who have a house also have a mortgage. If you have an IRA, if you have kids, now you have savings accounts for them. If you're thinking about helping them out with college, that's another account that you have. And then also brokerage accounts with your investments that aren't tied to retirement. You can see how easy it is to pick up the accounts. Having a clear snapshot view of how you're doing financially is a huge time saver and it reduces the stress. It can be hard to juggle all these different accounts, but if you have a clear set of priorities and goals, you can then break it down into more manageable chunks. As Kevin mentioned, they have this 20-year plan, 10-year plan, but then they're also asking, okay, if this is going to happen five years, what do we need to do this year? We take the same approach as well with our goals and accounts. Now, since we do monthly money dates, it goes fairly quickly. We already have a pretty clear idea of how our day-to-day accounts are going, like our checking and savings. We just do a glance to make sure that there's no unusual transactions. With our 401k, IRAs, and brokerage account, we're looking at how aligned are these investment accounts with the plan we already created. This is where we get into asset allocation. At its core, what you're trying to do is maximize your portfolio's return while minimizing your risk. Maximizing seems pretty clear what you're trying to do, but risk is more subjective and it differs person to person. Even as a couple, the two of you might not quite see eye to eye. And so that's going to be reflected in what you invest in. Typically, if you are thinking in the long term, retirement's decades away, then you're going to look for more aggressive growth. On the other hand, if retirement is coming up soon, then you're going to be shifting more towards stability. You want to keep that money that you've saved and earned. And I have several episodes so the two of you can listen to those and figure out a plan that fits your goals and your risk tolerance. When you're doing your reviews, you can then see and check that your investments are aligned with that plan that you created. Then we're also checking to make sure that we're not paying any unnecessary fees. At the beginning, this was something that we had to switch with our investments. We found that index funds were a better match for our goals and it did it cheaper than going with more actively managed funds. There you have it. There's your financial review. As you can see, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it does take the two of you coming up with a clear plan for what you want to accomplish. Then you can work backwards to make sure that your finances are aligning each year towards that goal. This segment is brought to you by Republic Wireless. Looking for affordable smartphones, nationwide coverage, and plans that don't cost your family a fortune? Switch to Republic Wireless. I've been a member for around nine years and love them. Bring your own or grab one of their phones, like a Samsung Galaxy or Moto G. With plans starting at $15 a month, what's not to love? Find out all they offer at republicwireless.com. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I got from speaking with Kevin and preparing this episode. The first is finances follow goals. 
in the personal finance space, when we're talking about goals, there's usually this discussion of a percentage that you're trying to save or a certain amount that you're trying to reach. And I get that. That makes sense. That's something that you can easily track and measure. But we should also focus on the bigger picture, which is what are you trying to accomplish? What are the two of you, what are you as a family wanting to do in the next year, five years or beyond? And yes, things shift and change, but having a goal that you're excited about, that you're thrilled about, will allow you to then work backwards and make the finances work. And it might include cutting back on expenses or better phrasing it, redirecting expenses to the people and projects that really matter to you. Or you may be in a situation where increasing your income is going to be the biggest help for you to hit your goals. When you understand what you're trying to achieve and really believe in the why behind it, then you're more likely to stick with it. Which leads me to the second one, which is consistency is key. Look, when we were starting out and we were reviewing our progress with paying down debt and doing these net worth reviews and financial checkups, honestly, it wasn't that dramatic. And the progress was a lot slower than maybe we had wanted at the time. But they were extremely helpful because it gave us a focus. We were able to have these conversations about what was going on, what was working, what was not, and then adjusting in real time with our finances. And now we're at a point where we do see some big shifts as we're doing these financial checkups, but it didn't happen overnight. So don't get discouraged if you guys are just starting out with these reviews that you're not immediately seeing the results that you had been hoping for. Start off talking with your goals and then work backwards to create that game plan and automate as much of that tedious but necessary stuff as possible. Those transfers in the savings, those extra debt payments, bill pay, take care of that with automation. That way you can stay focused on the big pictures and the big wins. And then finally, comparison robs you of joy and it can hurt your finances. Like you, I do enjoy watching other people's progress. I love cheering them on when they share their wins with their financial reviews, whether that's net worth or their budgets. But I also have to remind myself that we are each on our own financial journey. So while on paper it looks the same, paying down debt, saving, investing, making better choices, simplifying things, we're all one, coming at it from different starting points. And then two, we have different challenges and different advantages from each other that may not be included on those reviews online. Focus on what you can learn from others and then adjust as needed for your specific circumstances. If you want to discuss this more, ask questions, swap ideas, talk about your progress that you've made this year, don't forget to join us in the Thriving Families group on Facebook. We're all about helping one another, not just with our financial goals, but also our family ones as well. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash FB. We'd love to see you there. Special thanks to Kevin for being a part of the show. If you want to learn more about him and his work with teaching others about investing, please check out his site over at buildingbread.com. Also grab a copy of his new book 
From Burning to Blueprint, Rebuilding Black Wall Street After a Century of Silence. It is a fantastic read, and it relates to what we've been talking about today, that personal finance doesn't exist in a vacuum. The choices we make and what's available to us can be affected by so many different threads, whether we're talking about the lessons learned from our parents, opportunities that became available based on our background, or even the effect of culture, history, and society, they all get mixed in. Kevin does a fantastic job in his book. It's basically two parts. There's one part history and one part financial boot camp that maps out how families can build financial stability and wealth. You can grab it at your local bookstore or on Amazon. As always, I'll have links to that and other resources we mentioned, plus more over in the show notes. Next week on the podcast, we've been talking a lot this season about building and diversifying your income stream. We did some work from home opportunities. We also talked about entrepreneurship, creating products, but we're going to be getting into real estate investing. What does it involve? How can you be a smarter investor if you decide that's the path for you? So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on Apple, Spotify, Overcast. You get the idea. Where you prefer to listen, we'll be there. Our theme song is from Staircases, additional music by various artists from audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. These episodes are based on your feedback, your questions, and ideas. I am so grateful that you're taking the time to share them with me. If you want to have a say in future episodes, please be a part of our community. It's free. Just head over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. <music>